Church. I am Jared Kirk, lead pastor of Renewal. If you hear a helicopter in the background on the live stream today, there are some protests going on in the Common, and I want to invite you to come join us because you never know what's going to happen on Boston Common. Hey, if everyone who's here today, could you please take out the card that says, check into today's service? Go ahead and take that out for a minute right now, and here's why. We really need your help on this because it's very important to us as a church that we stay within the safety guidelines set by the city of Boston. And so we're asking every person who comes to check in today, and that's a name, a first name, and an email address. You can even use your burner email address if you don't know us and trust us yet, but it's, it seriously helps us follow the government's safety regulations for outdoor meetings if you check into the service today. So thank you for taking just a second to do that. Hey, we're, I'm excited about today. We have a couple songs for, for you. Josh is leading worship. I'll come up and teach. That's going to take about 25 minutes. And when it's all said and done, hopefully God will show up in a surprising way in your life and you'll experience his presence and power in a new way. So I'm going to turn it over to Josh. You guys can have a seat and just chill. We're going to worship together. Good morning, everybody. Excited to see y'all here today. Uh, yeah, let's do some worship in here.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this glorious morning. I thank you that you have allowed us to be here in this beautiful park that you've created. I pray for the message. I pray that you allow it to touch our hearts and our soul and allow us to use it throughout the week. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Judith, I gotta undo what you did a little bit there. Hey everybody, thank you for being here today. My, my name is Jerry Kirk, I'm the lead pastor of Renewal Church. And if you haven't yet checked in to, to today's service, there it is right side up, we'd love for you to take a moment and do that. It helps us stay inside the safety guidelines of the city and that's important for us because um, we've been counting and we are going to have to move to two services starting September 13th because we've been having great crowds show up in Boston Common and we want to make sure that we stay safe and stay inside the city's guidelines. So starting on September 13th, so that's not next weekend Labor Day, it's the weekend after that, we're going to have two services, one at 9.30 a.m., one at 11 a.m., and they're going to be identical services, and you get to pick which one works better for you and your schedule. So we're excited about that, and we can't wait to see you there. And like I said, checking in will help us get that right with the city. Now, I want to start today by talking to you about pursuit. When I was a little kid, when I was about fifth grade, my parents got me a puppy for the first ever time. We'd had all kinds of pets before then, didn't have a good track record. There were a lot of dead hamsters. There were a lot of parakeets that went missing. But finally, I got my wish and I got a dog. It was a little rat terrier. And this was during the first um, Iraq war. It was called, that war was called Desert Storm. And there was, a, there was a general that was leading it called Norman Schwarzkopf. And they called him Storm and Norman. So when I got this little dog, I named her Stormy after the general. And Stormy was an awesome dog. She would hang out in my backyard in South Florida. And she would chase lizards and she would chase iguanas. Until one day, um, she went missing. And I was in about sixth grade in middle school. And I was freaking out. So I did what any kid would do. I got on my bike and I started riding around the neighborhood just calling out Stormy everywhere I could go looking for my dog. And as I got all the way around the loop of my neighborhood, I started to get really distraught. I couldn't find her anywhere. And tears just started streaming down my face because I was, I was looking for my lost dog and I just couldn't find her. Well, I couldn't find her because Stormy had not run away. Stormy had swam away down the canal of our backyard. She had swum five houses down. And so as I'm coming back towards the house with tears streaming down my face in pursuit of my dog, eventually I get, I, I start to hear off in the distance a bark because she's trapped in a neighbor's backyard that she had swam there. I found my lost dog. Listen, we pursue things that we love. And as we grow, uh, the things we love change too. So let's fast forward from middle school to college. There's this really beautiful woman in my life named Heather. And I was pursuing her, but we weren't dating. And, but I liked her so much. And so I would say, oh, let's just hang out. Let's go, to the, let's go to the movies together. You know, we'd go to the movies or we would go out to the beach and go surfing. There's no real waves in South Florida. We brought our surfboard so we would look cool. But anyway, that's different. So I'm, I'm pursuing Heather, but we're not like, I never asked her, would you be my girlfriend? Are we, could we go out? Are we dating? And so right before Christmas break one year, she comes to me and she says, listen, buddy, I don't know what this is, but whatever this is, we're not doing it anymore. So you take Christmas break and you figure out whether we are in or out. You figure out whether we're dating or not. So it didn't take me long to figure out 
that I had found someone who was, as the Bible would say it, more precious than rubies. I had some, I had a real treasure on my hands. And so I said, yes, I want to date. And we, st I started pursuing her in a real and different way. It's just true that we pursue what we love. We pursue what's valuable to us. We pursue what matters to us. And one of the great spiritual truths that the Bible gives us is that God loves you so much that he pursues you. You matter to God. You are valuable to God. God cares about you. He loves his kids so much so that he would leave the 99 and go after the one. God cares about you and he has been pursuing you. And so when you have a relationship with God, the question becomes, are you going to pursue people the way that God pursues people? Is that going to be, are people going to matter to you? Are people going to have that same value to you that they have to God, are we going to pursue people in our life the same way that God has pursued us with that relentless, reckless love? Are we going to pursue people? So what I want you to do is take out a Bible, maybe turn on your phone. We're going to look at Luke chapter 15 today about God's pursuit of us. And then we'll talk a little bit about what it means and how we can put it into place in our lives. And we're, we're looking at this today in particular because we're in a series called This Is What We Do, which is all about who we are as a church, what, what makes us get out of bed in the morning, what gets us amped up, what gets us ready to take on the world, walking in God's footsteps. And this is one of those core things about who we are as a church. God's pursuit of us leads to our pursuit of those who are far from God. So let's look at Luke chapter 15, 1 through 7. I'm going to read the whole text, and then I'm going to, we'll point some things out about it. Luke 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose that one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now let me point a couple things out about this. The first thing is that Jesus and the Pharisees have dueling views of God. They have two different views of God. The Pharisees assume that God dislikes sinners, that God's disposition towards sinners is one of condemnation and judgment, and that therefore God's people should have the same attitude. And listen, that's not just a Pharisee thing. That happens in Christian churches and religious communities all over the world today. You may have grown up in a church like that. Because for most people, that makes a certain amount of logical sense. You say, okay, if there's a God, and that's granting something for some of you, but if there's a God, would he like moral people or would he like sinners? You think, well, I guess he would like moral people, right? Why would God like sinners? That's crazy. If, I, if there's a God, I'm sure he prefers good people, right? That's the Pharisees' view of God. It's what you might call the religious perspective. I obey, and therefore God accepts me. And as a Christian, this same attitude and perspective, it, it infiltrates our, our spirituality. Because if your status as a Christian is determined by how well you follow the rules, then your view of people who don't follow the rules will be one of judgment and condemnation. That's the Pharisees' view of God. But Jesus has a different view of God. And to get at his view of God, he tells this story about a shepherd and a sheep. And the whole point of the story is to show that God is heartbroken over his runaway kids. 
God is concerned about people who stray away. God loves the people who can't follow the rules or didn't follow the rules or so hurt and messed up by the family that they grew up in that they're just running off on their own or just straight up rebellious or just don't want to have anything to do with God. God loves people and there's no exceptions to that. That is Jesus' view of God. And I think that makes that makes logical sense to us too because if you are a parent or maybe you had a good parent or some good parents, when your kids are bad, are you supposed to love them less? Hey, I only love the good kids, not these screw up kids over here. No, we love them because they are our kids. They are valuable to us. God doesn't hate his runaway kids. He loves them and he wants them back. Now, Jesus uses this language that we don't use in Boston in 2020. He talks about sinners. And so, yes, from this story, we get the idea that God hates sin, but he hates sin because it destroys his kids. I mean, if, if you ever, if you think of a parent whose kid is addicted to drugs, you could ima easily imagine them saying that I hate drugs. I wish they never existed because they, they love their kids, but they hate what drugs have done to them. In the same way, God loves his runaway kids and wants them back, but he hates sin because of what it does to his kids. The second thing I want to point out is that God pursues people because people are valuable to God. As we dig into the story about sheep, Jesus challenges the Pharisees by asking them a rhetorical question. He says, if you had a lost sheep, you'd go find it, wouldn't you? You'd leave the rest of the flock. You'd go to great lengths to get it back. So why won't you even lift a finger to go find God's kids who have wandered off? For me, this story always reminds me of the movie Taken with Liam Neeson. You know, they, they, they kidnap his daughter and he's like, gonna, he's gonna charge the gates of hell, so to speak, and he's gonna kill a lot of people to get his daughters back. Maybe it's a weird example, but for me, that's always what I think of. It's like, God's just not gonna stop because he loves his kids so much, he'll go to any length. Now, the story about the sheep and the shepherd works because sheep were valuable in that time. And again, this is out, kind of outside of our thought world, but sheep represent wealth, they represent food, they represent status. And the story is inviting us to consider just how valuable people are to God and whether people are that valuable to us too. And I think this is one of the reasons why God loves people who are generous to the poor. Because God God made and loves all people and you're showing their, valuable, their value in a tangible way. So this is also why it's important for us to speak on justice in our society. When we see injustice because of race, we have to speak out against it. Our church chooses to speak out against the sin of racism because it devalues what God calls valuable. And Christians are called to be, to bear one another's burdens and being black in America is a burden. So our church chooses to highly value what God calls valuable. Now think about that for a second. If you are a Christian, you have the resources to say with you have the resources to say people are valuable period and out of that conviction flows all of these different positions that we have that same thing that motivates us to speak out against racial injustice or racism is the same thing that motivates us to pursue other people who are far from God because people matter to God people are valuable to God here's the last thing I want to point out and then we'll talk about maybe how we can put this into place in our lives the goal of God's pursuit is joy. 
The story ends with the shepherd putting the sheep on his shoulders and he's full of joy. And then he invites his friends and neighbors to throw a party with him, to share his joy. Jesus drives the point home when he says this in the story. He says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. There is serious joy in heaven when one of God's kids turns away from their self-sufficient, cynical, all-set lifestyle and comes home to their heavenly father. Hey, maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe you realize that through the course of your life, you wandered away from your heavenly father. You know, the sheep in the story didn't think, man, I hate this shepherd, I'm out of here. They just looked at the next clump of green grass, moved off. They looked at another one, moved off. And you look up one day and realize, I'm so far away from God. And maybe that's you. But the great news of this story that Jesus tells is that God loves you. He's not, he's not angry with you, looking to punish you. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that your sin could be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead so that you could have freedom and hope. And he offers that to you today. And if you're hearing this today and realize, man, I've just wandered away. I've just wandered away. You can come home to your heavenly father today. At the end of the message, I'm gonna pray a short prayer asking God to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life. And maybe today is the day God is working in your life and you can make that prayer your own at the end of the message. The goal of God's pursuit is joy. Joy in heaven. Joy when one of his kids comes back home. Now when you walk away from this today and when we walk out of here today, here's what I'm hoping that all of us will do. I'm hoping somewhere in your soul you will say, you know what, I see God's relentless pursuit of me and how deeply he loves me no matter what I've done or where I've been. And so I want to pursue other people with that same passion to help them find life in Christ, to help them find life in God, to help them experience the God who loves with no strings attached. But for most of us, there are several objections that stop us from doing this in our relationships on an everyday basis. We want to influence those we love, our friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors towards faith, but there's some common objections. So I'd like to just walk through three of those quickly with you. The first objection is that we don't want it to be awkward. You know, the truth is when you bring faith up in a relationship where faith isn't normally mentioned, it can be really awkward. But the solution for this is actually pretty simple. You have to love people so well that you earn the right to have awkward conversations. Like one of the things we say at Renewal Church is let's be the church of awkward conversations. Let's love each other so much that we're willing to talk about hard things with each other. I remember I was working at another church, this was years ago, and I had a friend there that was on staff with me and I was supposed to bring back uh, a truck that somebody was using and it was supposed to be at like two o'clock and it came back at three. It was like one of those kind of things. And afterwards, he, he, called, he called me up and he, I, I came into his office and he said, hey, listen, man, I, I know this is kind of awkward, but I just wanted to talk to you about this because it feels like sometimes you say things will happen, but then you don't follow through on your word. And I, it's not one thing. I kind of noticed a pattern of this in small ways throughout your life. And can I just tell you, it was awkward. It's always awkward to get called out on something like that, but it was also transformative because he loved me and I knew that he had earned the right to say that in my life. And so it created a kind of deep change in me where I said, man, I gotta make some changes around this. So yes, conversations can be awkward, but when you love people well, you earn the right to have awkward conversations. Here's another objection. We never talk about spiritual things in our relationship. You know, if you, 
if you never talk about spiritual things in your relationship, if you all of a sudden bring up spiritual things, you could be crossing an invisible boundary with the other person so that they no longer feel it's safe for them in the conversation. So the solution for that is actually pretty simple. You ask people permission. Because when you have permission, there's safety in the conversation, and then you can have a two-way dialogue. So, one of the, this, this has often happened for me in my, in my family. My family, they don't, we don't talk about faith very often. And so, we talk about football, right? We talk about sports, we talk about investments. My, I have a weird family. So, but if I want to talk about with faith, I need to ask their permission. And I like to phrase it so that they can say no, because that creates more safety. So I might say something like, Hey, I have a question for you, but it's about faith. Is now a bad time to talk about spiritual things? And people normally say no, and then now there's safety, you can have an actual dialogue. But if you don't ask that permission, and there's no safety, you're not going to have a real dialogue. Here's the third objection, is if you just don't know what to say. And I have the best life hack for you of all time on this, which is don't say anything. Just ask questions. Be curious about other people until they ask you what you believe. I was uh, a year or a year or two ago. I was at a, a kid's birthday party, and I ended up sharing about Jesus with a Zoroastrian. Now, if you don't know what a Zoroastrian is, you're in pretty good company. There's about a hundred thousand of them left in the world, and they have fire temples, which admittedly is way cooler than churches. But I'm talking to this person, and I was just so curious because. You don't meet a Zoroastrian every day. So I'm just, I'm just trying to find out everything about it. I was just curious and we, can't, we had this really long conversation. It was like 45 minutes long. And that's, that's like wicked deep in Boston. So I'm like trying to give this person an out. Like, hey, listen, we can talk about kids or cake or whatever. But they wanted to talk about it. And so at the end of about 45 minutes, this person came back to me and said, why are you a Christian? Like, you're a, you're a minister, right? I said, yeah. So like, why, why do you believe what you believe? Why is it meaningful to you? And then I can just answer a question. I have no presentation to give. I'm not that kind of person. I don't have points I'm trying to work through. I, that would go horrendously. Just practice curiosity. And if you are curious enough, people will be curious about you too. So those are the objections and some simple ways to work through them. And as we close today, I just want to, I want to think about this, this idea though, that sometimes it's true. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. And that's the issue. But when we're honest, there are other times that we don't know why we don't want to do it. That our heart isn't in it. And it could be apathy towards other people. That we're just not seeing the value of other people that God sees. We just don't care. We're in our own world and we'd rather go home and watch Netflix than engage with other people. Or it could be fear of other people's opinions. And so we are more concerned about what other people think than we are caring about the value and the worth of other people. You know, that's not a, how do I do this question? That's a God, I need you to change my heart question. And what I love about the God that we serve, the God that Jesus teaches about, is that God can change your heart. He didn't just send Jesus to be the example of the world, he sent Jesus to be the savior of the world. And so if this is something that you fail at, like I do, then there's grace for you. God forgives you. God loves you. And he wants to work a change in your life and slowly change the desires of your heart so that you come to see people as valuable the same way that God does. So when you leave here today, I want to encourage you. Depend on God. Seek God. But then pursue those in your life who are far from God in the same way that God has relentlessly pursued. 
Would you pray with me for just a moment? Before we pray, I do want to say to those of you who today you feel like I've drifted away from God and I need to come back to him today, that I'm going to pray a prayer inviting Jesus to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life. And maybe this, you need to make this prayer your own. I want to invite you to do that now. Let's pray. God, we are thankful that you pursue us. That you love us so much you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven. And when we don't live the perfect life, there is forgiveness and there's grace. God, I need Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins. And yet he also rose from the dead. And so he is the leader of our lives. God, I need Jesus to be my leader so that I can learn to see people the way that you see people and love people the way that you love people. God, would you lead my life from this day forward? I need you to forgive my sin. And I want to live for you. Would you come into my life and change my heart and teach me to pursue those who are far from you? I pray in Jesus' name today. Amen. And thanks for joining us today. If you prayed to follow God for the first time in your life, you say, I need to come back to my Heavenly Father. Your next step is to plunge your past. You need to be baptized. In the Bible, that is always the way that people show I'm turning from my cynical, all-set life to a life where I live God first. And so we can help you with that. We have a baptism service coming up. If you check in today, you'll get a link and you can follow that and request some info on baptism and we'll help get you prepared for that. But that's the service for today. To close it out, I'm going to hand the service back to Judith. Thanks for coming. Judith, why don't you close the service? Thank you so much for joining us this morning at Renewal. I want to re-emphasize again to please check into the service. At this time, we're going to give together. We want to thank you so much for your generosity and for giving to our church. It has helped us continue such programs such as giving to um, Grace So Amazing Ministries and other um, ministries with, around the world and here as well. I want to remind you that our next steps is happening after the service on September 13th. And finally, we hope that you will join us next week as we conclude our service on This Is What We Do. Thank you so much and have a fantastic week.